0: Our Bible reading today is from John chapter 6. Uh, John chapter 6 starts with that very familiar account of the feeding of the 5,000 that many of us will know from Sunday school, the five loaves and two fish miraculously multiplied by Jesus to feed a multitude. Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to read from verse 14 and 15, which comes straight after that miracle, and then skip ahead past another well-known account of Jesus walking on water. verse 25 and read on to verse 35 so verses 14 and 15 and then 25 to 35 this is God's word after the people saw the sign Jesus performed they began to say surely this is the prophet who has come into the world Jesus knowing they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself Then from verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them Verily very truly I tell you it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world Sir they said always give us this bread Then Jesus declared I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we thank God for his word. Well, we're in this uh, new series on the I am statements of Jesus in John's gospel. Uh, William introduced the series last week. And today we come to the first I am statement, which is I am the bread of life in John chapter six. And when we come to an account in the Bible of something that had happened with time, place and people, all woven together in an unfolding story, we should always ask, what is going on here? And I need to turn this on so that works. What is going on here? And we also need questions like, why did they do that? Why did he say that? Or why is that detail mentioned? So in a nutshell, what is going on in those verses that I read? And the answer is that Jesus is defining the relationship. I don't know if you've heard that expression before. It normally refers to romantic relationships. So when and i had a... She's cringing. <laughs> when and i had a defining the relationship conversation on the 9th of September 2009, easy date to remember, when we decided that we were boyfriend and girlfriend, We had another defining the relationship conversation on the 25th of September, 2009, when we were engaged. And then we further defined the relationship on the 30th of January, 2010, when we were married. We were both 35, so we uh, had a clear idea of what we wanted uh, to do. All the same, it must have been so much easier in the olden days when parents arranged the marriages. I I think that's still a good idea, don't know what you think, William. (laughs) These days, though, um, defining the relationship conversations happen uh, from an early age, um, different sorts of relationships. Our children, uh, Trinity and Levi, come home from school and they say, Susie has a crush on Simon and now Sarah isn't speaking to Susie because she likes Simon too. Uh, I've changed the names to protect the innocent. Uh, And they are innocent, which is why we tell Trinity and Levi that it's better to be friends because all this talk about crushes isn't good. It's better to define relationships as friendships at that stage in life. The other one uh, at that stage uh, in primary school is BFFs, Best Friends Forever. Again, we've explained to Trinity and Levi that it's good to have close friends, but the exclusivity of a BFF can sometimes be unhelpful. So defining the relationship in the right way is important, even in primary school. It's important in the workplace as well. For example, is that person just a coworker, or are they a fellow team member with whom you have to work closely? Or are they your friend as well? How do you define that? Or what about when your boss is also your friend? How do you define that to allow you both to best navigate the dynamics of the relationship? Well, I'm not here to give you a self-help talk on relationships, although these things are important. All that was by way of example to help explain how Jesus defines the relationship in John chapter 6. And the starting point is not actually with Jesus. It's with the crowd who experience the miraculous feeding. And they get it wrong. And this provides an opportunity for Jesus to teach the right way for them and for us to relate to him. So how do they get it wrong? Well, verse 15, they wanted to make him king by force. This is them defining the relationship on their terms. And when you look at self-help advice on relationships, which I Googled when I was preparing this sermon, I didn't Google it before uh, Renee and I had those conversations, but just recently I looked at it and one of those questions suggested to ask of yourself is this, what do you want from this relationship? So what did this crowd want from their relationship with Jesus. Well, you might have heard of Don Carson, uh, an American theologian, but who, he's from, his father is from Carrick, Fergus. He's been over here a few times. And he points out a little detail in verse four that we didn't read earlier. And it says this, the Jewish Passover festival was near. And Don Carson says that for the Jews, the Passover festival was like the 4th of July is for Americans or like the anniversary of the Battle of the Boyne is for Loyalist Protestants in Northern Ireland. And so this Jewish crowd were all stirred up with nationalistic zeal at that time of year. And they wanted Jesus to be their political leader, not by voting for him like we did on Thursday. They wanted to to force him, uh, to put him into a position where he would have to go head to head with their Roman rulers and establish Israel as an independent nation once again. Verse 14 tells us that the crowd recognized Jesus as a successor to Moses because they call him the prophet who has come into the world. And that was exactly as Moses had promised many centuries before. And so just as Moses was used by God to enact miracles to defeat Egypt, they expected Jesus to do the same for them. But their expectations were completely misplaced. They wanted to define the relationship. But this wasn't a relationship between two equals. And so it was entirely wrong of them to think that they could do that. I don't imagine that many of us have political aspirations for Jesus. Although that sort of thinking is more common than we think. You only need to look at the relationship between the Russian Orthodox Church and Putin to see that. But we do have our own ways of defining the relationship. I've heard this said, expressed in in different ways uh, or, or seen in different ways. Jesus, I'm happy you're there, but I'm going to keep you at arm's length. I'll turn up on Sunday, but that's enough for me. Or Jesus, your minister is a good contact to have in my phone book for weddings and funerals, but otherwise I'll get on with my own life. Thank you very much. Or defined in this way Jesus, when things get a bit desperate in my life, I'm glad I've got your calling card, uh, just along with the plumber and the insurance company and the car breakdown company. Or, we do have a relationship, but you know it's not a case of what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. Just be aware of your boundaries, Jesus. I could go on with those examples, but what's the problem I'm highlighting? The problem is that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, it's never our place to define that relationship. Jesus is not our equal. We don't have a contract with him. He doesn't work for us. We don't have him on a retainer. He's not malleable to the mold that we want to put upon him. He's in an entirely different league. And he's the one who defines the relationship. So how does he do it? Well, this brings us to verse 35. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's amazing how much is in this verse. Let's start with those words, I am. In Greek, this is a very emphatic, I am, and it has a direct connection to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. When Moses asks God for his name, And God replies, I am who I am. This connection is affirmed in John chapter 8 when Jesus uses the same words to say before Abraham was born, I am. And the Jews who heard those words, the Jews who were opposed to Jesus, they want to kill him for blasphemy because through these words, Jesus is claiming to be God. And if Jesus is God, if he is our creator, the one who knows all things, who is king over the universe, then he is the one to define the relationship with us. His next words are, I am the bread of life. And by defining the relationship in this way, he's not merely making a statement about himself, declaring that he is God. He is saying, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life that gives life to you. And there's another Old Testament connection uh, to these words, which the original readers, of course, would have picked up on straight away, Uh, and this time to Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. "'Come, all you are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money in what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare.' Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. So, when Jesus says that the the one who comes to him will never go hungry, and the one who believes in him will never thirst, he's referring to this everlasting covenant, this eternal relationship between God and those who put their trust in him. And when it comes to defining a relationship, we use that word covenant for a binding permanent relationship like marriage. And this everlasting covenant is far greater than even that. Again, this is one of those times when it's hard to capture the exact meaning of the words in the original Greek in the English translation. But basically, Jesus is saying, if you come to him, you will never, ever go hungry. If you believe in him, you will never, ever thirst at any time. The thing we see about these I am statements of Jesus is that they are metaphors. There is a connection, of course, to communion. Uh, but we don't believe that the bread we eat is actually the body of Christ or that you must eat it to have eternal life. You eat it because, because you believe that Christ gives you eternal life. Belief comes first and then eating is an act that affirms your belief. We Presbyterians uh, only celebrate communion a few times in the year but metaphorically when we accept Jesus defining the relationship as him being the bread who gives us life we accept that this is a daily relationship affecting the whole of life. Jesus is our spiritual daily bread. The bread is also symbolic of his body given on the cross for us just as the wine of communion is symbolic of his blood shed on the cross to pay for our sins. His death brings us life eternal life and so all this leads to the final question which is have we come to Jesus have we believed in him or have we attempted to define the relationship on our own terms like those people in that crowd of 5,000 who wanted to make Jesus the sort of king who would serve their own personal interests there's only one who can be our BFF our best friend forever and that's Jesus And he does call us friends, but we need to remember that he defines the relationship. He is our friend, but he is also our king. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Is he the bread of life to you? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? There is no other food that will satisfy us. Our own ambitions will ultimately lead to a dead end. Only Jesus is the bread who gives life. And I don't know about you, But for me, I'm glad that it's Jesus who defines the relationship. Because if it were up to me, I'd get it wrong. But that weight is lifted off my shoulders because Jesus made me. He knows me. He loves me so much so that he even died for me. And so I can come to him and know that I am secure in his love forever. I hope that's true of you too. And if it's not, come to him today. And you will never hunger spiritually in your soul again. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, the bread of life to us. Father God, thank you that when we come to him, we can taste and see that you are good. We can know that eternal life that starts now and goes on forever. We can know, Lord Jesus, that you are our friend just as you are our King. So, Father God, we we worship you now. We praise your name for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.